In early February of this year, NBC Nightly News anchor Brian Williams found himself in the uncomfortable position of having to make an on-air apology. His transgression? Embellishing the story of an experience he had riding in a helicopter during the Iraq War in 2003. But the story didn't end there. Sleuth soon dug up other stories Williams had told over the years that seemed just ever so slightly off. NBC launched an investigation, and after what was reportedly a significant internal debate over whether the anchor should be fired, he was instead suspended for six months without pay. Was that the right decision? Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by HKS lecturer Jeffrey Seglin, director of the Kennedy School's communications program at the Shorenstein Center. He also writes The Right Thing, a weekly syndicated column on ethics. Professor Seglin, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, was this a big deal? <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal. I yeah. mean, uh, lying is a problem. Mm-hmm. Ethically speaking, lying is a problem. Um, having a journalist um, tell untruths on the air is is, is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a credibility problem. It's a reputation problem. Um, so yes, it's a problem. So uh this started uh, well before this latest incident in February. Um, Brian Williams is obviously, uh, he's a news anchor, but he's also something of a celebrity. He's been on shows like 30 Rock. He's been on, you know, uh, talk shows and in skits with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, he, th- this story evolved in the context of those kinds of situations. I believe he was on Letterman when uh, the story first kind of got a little bit molded differently. Right. And I think it's about 10 years ago now. Yeah. Right. Um was that different when he effectively lied back then? I think the lying was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was wrong to do that. I think I think there's a difference. I think it would have been easier to survive um, that kind of um, lie uh, to that in that in that situation than it would have been to be on the air and and have false memories about something that happened and broadcast them as if they were fact. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a qualitative difference between the two. Doesn't mean one's right. Um, and one's wrong, it means that one is wrong and one is even more wrong mm-hmm. uh, because of the obligations of his profession. Um, so it, it, that he let that carry over into his day job was a real problem. Wouldn't it have harmed his reputation just as much, even if it had been in that? Uh, I, I'm not sure it would have. Yeah, I'm not sure it would have. It would have harmed him just as much. But there's a lot that's been coming out about uh, sort of this idea of false memories that people have that they that something happens as a kid, something happens traumatic, or they hear a story so over, over and over again mm-hmm. that they sort of absorb it as like, oh yeah, that happened to me, and that becomes the story, sort of the family story. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you see this with friends you haven't seen for decades, and suddenly right. you realize the stories you've been telling that happened to you actually happened to your friend in high school um so so those kind of things do happen i don't mean to diminish just how how powerful they can be and how awful they can be it's it's possible to imagine and again i'm not a psychologist so i don't know this but it's possible to imagine that there's a defense if a psychologist comes out and says oh there were false memories it's possible to imagine how that could be a problem if he's having a chat with with david letterman or with with Stephen Colbert, with Jimmy Fallon, or anybody on the on the air, and he's just chatting off the cuff when he's being uh, someone there. Mm-hmm. Wrong. It's still a lie. It's still a problem. But it, it's possible to think that the false memory thing could come into effect when he's on the air as a broadcaster on NBC News, and he's and he's saying something happened. You expect him to check his facts. Mm-hmm. You expect him to do his job as a journalist. That if he says something. He will check his facts. He will check the facts of the people who who he reports on. He will not just sort of assume that if he says it off the top of his head, it's accurate. 
that the, he will go through the process that any good journalist should go through and check their facts, regardless of who tells him, even if it's his own memory telling him he should check his facts. From a journalism perspective, it seems like this is about as egregious uh, an error as you can make, um, lying about something that you actually experienced. Uh, did NBC do the right thing here in just giving him six months uh, uh, suspension? Well, I think that'll be hard. To, that'll be hard to tell until they actually <laughs> come out of uh, of the six months and see what happens then. I think mm -hmm. they're doing an investigation. What would be interesting to see is if if NBC uh, is transparent about the investigation. I mean, part of the thing they can argue, I suppose, is that it's a personnel matter. But it would be interesting to see if they release the the findings of the of the investigation and then what their response is once they find out the facts. If they find out that this was um, on the air and deliberate and that there were mistakes were made, they have to de decide, do, do we have a credibility problem that's strong enough that, that we need to let him go? Mm -hmm. But it's hard to say now whether NBC did enough because they kind of haven't done anything mm -hmm. yet. There's been a six-month suspension, but we don't know what that means. Is the question of whether it was deliberate or, as you uh, talked about before, the memory uh, loss or, or, I don't know, it's well, not so much loss as changing memories, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure the deliberate part comes in as much as as much as NBC, because he did it. You mm -hmm. know, he's, right. he's acknowledged that he, he lied. It's come out, it's come out more that... Um, that he's, there's been other stories that have been possibly been embellished. I think the the issue that NBC has to sort of decide now through its investigation is what happened, why did it happen, and what does this do in terms of the trust we've built with our audience? If that trust is totally eroded, do we owe it to our audience not to put this this fellow back on the on the air because his trust has been eroded? Mm -hmm. Do we owe more to them than that, or do we owe it to our audience to give this guy a second chance? There's a long history of giving guys second chances when they've right. made mistakes. We, we watch many of them on the air, we read them in the newspaper. Um, that's the thing NBC has to decide. What has this done to erode trust in the public at a time when the public already views the media with slight bit of suspicion? Do you think the reputation problem it falls on NBC or does it fall exclusively on Brian Williams and it's just their reaction to uh, to the controversy that's... No, I think it actually falls on NBC and they have to worry... I mean, Brian Williams has to obviously worry about his own reputation. Right. I think there was word out today that he's, a, he's acquired a lawyer and services to sort of negotiate his relationship to NBC now. So he's got his... Um, reputation issues that he has to worry about. But I think NBC has to worry about it as well. NBC News has to worry about it as well because that news organization now is being associated with the man who lied about his his time in the helicopter or the man who may have lied about his time in Katrina. So they have to worry about what does this do to our reputation as a news organization? Are we no longer taken seriously mm -hmm. as a news organization? So it's, it's it really falls on them to decide how do we go forward. Rolling Stone's uh, Steve Daly wrote a column uh, essentially making the argument that uh, it was likely somebody else who wrote this copy and it just appeared on the teleprompter and he read it off, which kind of recalls images from Anchorman and Ron Burgundy. But right. um, would does, if that were the case... Would that make this any better? For that would make it worse. That would make it worse. If, if if somebody else wrote the copy, which is often the case, you know there was 60 Minutes, there are producers behind the scenes that do amazing work, mm -hmm. and that often when the stars come on, this is not always the case, but often when the stars came on, they're, they're, re, they're doing the sort of the, the camera work based on the legwork that a lot of great producers have done, and often there was, it's scripted, the questions and everything, and, and they're, they're gifted interviewers. 
if Brian Williams is reading something else that somebody wrote for him, and it's about about a, about the, the the Westchester dog pageant, and they don't happen to be the things that Brian Williams wrote, wrote about the Westchester dog pageant, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. This is a, something that Brian Williams is saying. I remember back in such and such a year doing this. If if somebody else wrote that, Brian Williams knows who he is and what his memories are. If he went ahead and read that and now is saying somebody else wrote that so it's his fault, that makes it far more egregious. And it doesn't sound like Brian Williams would... I can't imagine he would do that because there's no credibility to it. The fact that it was based on his memory doesn't make it possible to sort of fob it off. I know somebody wrote this memory for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of, you know, like a bad Jim Carrey movie. It it just doesn't hold water that that would be the case Mm -hmm. because of the types of errors it was. He wasn't fabricating a story he was fabricating a memory mm-hmm. and there's a difference um if somebody else wrote the story and made stuff up in the story and brian williams wrote it i could imagine that you know brian williams could find himself getting off the hook for that the fact that it was his memory makes it different mm-hmm. americans seem uh predisposed to giving people second chances we see it with politicians all of the time uh do you see this as something that williams will likely recover from <laughs> to predict the future, I think sure. I think people do give people second chances. They did it in the case of Doris Kearns Goodwin. They did it in the case of um, Mike Barnacle. If you consider MSNBC a second chance, um, they they did it. Um, they, they they do it regularly. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think, and 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 many of the errors that were made in cases that people give second chances, whether it's plagiarism or borrowing without attribution or fabricating or occasionally they get second chances um i'm not sure um that um i'm not sure this falls into the similar category because of what it is you know it's not it's it feels like um there's an odd thing going on where i think people are there's there's different tensions going on and again i can't predict this but because because it comes very close to to sort of bragging about a war record, even though it's not a soldier bragging about a war record, I I, I don't know what the tolerance among the veterans community is for something like that. I know that um, there's a strong tolerance and there's sort of a, a vehement um, effort to make sure that people to claim ha- to have medals or honors they don't have, to make sure that those people are exposed. I don't know if that's going to work against this other strong desire people have to give people mm-hmm. second chances. So it's a matter of where where the public's sentiment lies, and it's impossible to, for, for me at least to predict the public sentiment. But you do have those things sort of in tension, that this, mm-hmm. this was something that involved a military action. Um, it, it puts it in a different category. Again, you could have somebody come back and say, you know, he wasn't in a helicopter that was hit, but they flew the helicopter into the same area. He was in harm's way. That's all that matters. If the if veterans start coming out and saying that, then I could imagine a case where Brian Williams is sort of embraced and given the second chance that mm-hmm. others have gotten. And what about this uh, this question of the balance between celebrity and and journalism? Uh, it seems like uh, NBC Nightly News is the highest rated. Uh, of all the the nightly news services, uh, I'm sure that Williams' celebrity played a lot into that. Right. Um, is there a question of whether you know a journalist can really be a serious journalist and do serious work while while embracing that celebrity personality? Um, you know, I, I, a lot of the press has come out and said no, that it, that, that can't be possible. And, and you know, and I, and I think Brian Williams is a funny guy when he's on these various shows and stuff. I think I think there's a question of whether you can do it, but I think in this particular case, 
that that misses the point, I think, a little bit. I think had Brian Williams not lied about his memory, uh, not lied about what he had done, mm -hmm. he would continue to be a celebrity. You know, he continued to be a sort of if if um, partly trusted or partly well liked, or certainly nine million people. I think that's what the number is of viewers. View, turned into him at a time when people say no one's watching network news. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people. Um, so had that lie not happened, I think he could have balanced the two things. I don't think he needed to make stuff up. Again, um, let's say psych psychologically, I don't know what the motivation was or what motivated him to do this. But given where his trajectory was and where he was in his career, there was he was he was a celebrity. He was doing the, the slow talking the news on Jimmy Fallon. Yep. Funny guy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure that that um, that he couldn't have managed those two. I mean, we, we're in a we're in a time now where it's not just newscasters who do it, but it's politicians who do it. I mean, it was it was a surprise that Obama made an appearance on Saturday mm -hmm. Night Live during the initial campaign, or that McCain did. Mm -hmm. um, he also did slow talk the news. Yeah, Obama. Yeah, yeah, and as did I believe Mitt Romney. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I think that sort of there is this sort of trying different ways. And and the and the Zach Galifianakis um, between two trees interview that Obama did between two ferns. Yeah. I think journalists and politicians are trying to find new ways to break through the noise. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Making stuff up, that's a problem. And mm -hmm. I think that that's a problem. That's I think to say that the that the celebrity is the problem misses the fact that Brian Williams made stuff up, mm -hmm. and he's a journalist who shouldn't make stuff up. What do you expect to see in six months, or what do you hope to see? Um, I, well, I'd like to see. I'd like the, that the, for NBC to release its findings of mm -hmm. the investigation. That's what I'd like to see, um, primarily, and to see what those findings are. Um, if NBC decides to reinstate Brian Williams, it would be. I'd like to see them be clear on: is he restricted um, from from doing things other than the news, other mm -hmm. than the NBC newscast? Um, I would like to. I would like to see that. So I'd like to see the reasoning behind whatever they do, mm -hmm. um, and if they put him back on the air, that that seems to be a choice that they can make. I'm not sure that it's the wrong choice, um, but it's a risky choice for mm. them to make. Well, Professor Jeffrey Seglin, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast, produced by Matt Cadwallader and Molly Lanzarota. Follow us on Twitter at PolicyCast.